0: Welcome to the Invisible India podcast. I'm Jessica Kumar. In 2006, I first came to India for work and basically never looked back. My journey took me through learning Hindi, living in multiple parts of India. The Invisible India podcast isn't just a place where I share about being married to an Indian, being a foreigner in India, the language learning process, and cross cultural parenting. But it is a platform to highlight the lesser-known aspects of Indian culture by featuring stereotype-breaking Indians making waves in society. So, chaliye, headphone laga ke suniye hamare namaste, greetings, happy summer. India me bahut garmi chal and here in Chicago, it's like <laughs> hardly summer half of the year. I forget how it's uh, it's like hardly ever hot. We are going to be heading back to India soon. And uh, can't wait for that. It's been several months ready to get back into life there and continue our work and relationships and things happening on that side. But regrettably, because of the crazy transition, I am only going to be releasing podcasts every one month for the foreseeable future, probably for the rest of 2022. 2022. And part of the reason for that is because I've also been focusing on releasing other resources that can be used by different groups of people. So a lot of the Hindi learning has been my focus this year to create resources for Hindi learning. Part of that has been creating courses, which you I've been talking and over and over about uh, Hindi hacks. And as you have probably heard me say before, the Hindi hacks course is... Out now and has been out for a couple of months. But I also have an announcement. Abhishek and I just finished recording a pronunciation course. This, I'm really excited about this. We go through the common pitfalls of mispronunciation in Hindi when any uh, non Indian or foreign person is learning. And it was very fun to record, and I think there's some very useful and helpful information in there. It's totally unlike anything that you've heard before. It's not just, oh yeah, here's the letters, let me just tell you how to pronounce them. It really goes into depth and, and corrects some of the common problems and really uh narrows in on listening well and getting through those pronunciation pitfalls. So that will be coming out later this summer. Another super exciting thing that just came out is the ultimate Hindi learning resource guide. I have been working on this honestly for honestly for several years because of the relationships that it required to build to release this, but as you know, I am always talking about learning from a native speaker. Learning any language you should really learn from a native speaker especially when there's so many cultural differences and nuances like in South Asia. I'm always going on and on about how important it is to have native speaker at least as one of the primary modes of learning, having, uh, having inputs. And um, that's really what my courses are all about, is pointing to those resources, but also giving kind of a bridge or a guide to help you to achieve that and how to utilize uh, native speaker resources the best. So I have put together a guide of 21, it, uh, a guide, it's 21 pages. It's a downloadable PDF on my website, invisibleindiapodcast.com. If you scroll all the way to the bottom, you'll see it's there. And this is a partnership that I've forged with a number of Indian teachers, or people who have programs, or people who have apps, and um, most of them are Indian-owned businesses. And those who are not Indian-owned are people who uh, employ or uh, promote or utilize native speakers as the primary source of learning. So these are all really solid companies. And um, in the guide, I also review and provide contact information and uh, give my opinions on learning process of each of these providers. So, um, And of course, uh, I've worked out uh, discounts as well for listeners of my podcast and people who download the guide. There are discount codes in that PDF as well. Like I said, it's a free PDF. It's uh, posted all over my social media. You can also go and download that from my website. You just put in your email, and then you'll get an email from me. Jessica at invisibleindia.podcast.com I hope that you can utilize this resource and get further ahead in your Hindi learning journey. This week is part 2 of All About In-laws. In my first part of this, we talked a little bit about the first meeting and how to kind of conduct yourself around your um, around Indian in-laws as a foreigner. Uh, this is part two. We get real deep into some of the more complex issues when it comes to being a part of the family, having children, uh, when conflicts come up. So please have a listen in. hope you really enjoy. I would love to hear your feedback on these episodes. Let's get into the topic. Sapkho namaste. Welcome back to the Invisible India podcast. Now... Last episode we talked through everything in-laws, being involved in an Indian family if you are a non-Indian. How does that feel? How do you adjust? What are some of the challenges? We talked last time about meeting for the first time, connecting, building relationships, some of the faux pas, etc. So today we're going to go a little bit deeper in that. If you want to hear my background story you can go back to the previous episode and Hear more about my story and why I am talking about this topic. We are going to share a little bit about the deeper aspects, conflict, disagreement, things of that sort. So some of the questions that I had before preparing for this episode, uh, people had sent in those who are in a relationship with an Indian, if they are a non-Indian themselves probably some of the biggest questions, I'm going to categorize them together. A lot of these have to do with expectations and conflict. So let's dive in. Question number one, expectations. How do you handle different expectations with your in-laws? What are the deal breakers, yours and mine? This is probably the biggest question that you could possibly ask of any relationship, (laughs) much less of a cross-cultural relationship. I think that when you are dealing with expectations, it's really, really good to get clear with your partner on what their expectations are and what they suspect their parents' expectations may be of you and of them. Sometimes it's hard to know until it happens. Um, One of the things that I would advise is to look at other relatives that are that are around the same age as you, maybe in a similar situation, and try to see how their parents reacted to them, in different life decisions that they made. It's very important, especially in Indian culture, to um, for other people kind of compare themselves uh, as elders or as as uh, siblings. People are constantly comparing themselves to their relatives. So seeing how uh, cousins. Uh, reacted to certain things, or aunts and uncles reacted to certain things. If you don't have a precedent at all, then um, it's likely that you're, you may be in a totally kind of uh, disconnected community, or your in-laws uh, immigrated from somewhere and they're kind of in a different situation. So it's hard to say. That's the number one thing I would say is go look around and, and see. It's going to be very hard to ask directly, um, how many kids do you expect us to have? Or on holidays what do you expect me to do um, when I don't know about these certain rituals but I need to carry them on anyway? Like it's very hard to ask those things Uh, and so it's going to be by trial and error and it's going to be by observation. For example, if there is a ceremony coming, um, a big one. Let's talk about this. This is a tough one. Head-shaving ceremony for children. This is one, uh, especially in North India, that a lot of people struggle with from a western perspective is it how important is that to your in-laws and how important is that to you this is not one of those things that you can ask ahead of time like oh if someday we have kids would you want us to do the Mundan sanskar uh, it's very tough to, in in that moment, ask. And I think a lot of those things go through negotiation. If you've already been through a number of holidays with your in-laws, they're more likely to defer to you and say, hey, you know, whatever you want to do, um, if you've cooperated in other things. What I like to do and what I advise people is pick your battles. And if it's uh you know oh can you please wear this on this occasion or can you do this on this occasion if you're willing to compromise or move a little bit towards them in those situations a lot of times when the bigger things come like if you want to shave your child's head or if you uh, are going to circumcise your son or not circumcise your son or things that are actually kind of a life altering or a decision what you're going to name your child um, or, or what kind of a ceremony you're going to have for your wedding uh, th- those kind of big ones I would say cooperate in the little things and then when it's actually something you really care about that's when you have a little more leeway to say hey this is what I actually want so that's my advice um, I think a mistake that a lot of people make is they make really harsh boundaries in the beginning I'm not going to touch their feet or I'm, uh, I'm not going to learn to cook that's sexist or uh, I am not going to Um, call um, this relative auntie and uncle, I'm just going to call them by the first name or whatever. How important is that actually (laughs) in the grand scheme of things? Um, I think being willing to compromise and being willing to pick your battles goes a very long way. In the same vein, what do you do when you disagree on something? Again, this depends on how much leverage you have, how long you've been in relationship. But I would say that in the beginning phases, it's really best to defer to your partner when any kind of disagreement is going on. Let them handle it. One rule we have in our relationship, again, this is not necessarily, doesn't necessarily work for everyone and I'm not the model person when it comes to uh, marriage, let your partner deal with their parents and you deal with your own. That is kind of our law when it comes to sensitive matters, when it comes to things that are really tricky, just let that person deal with it themselves. Even if it has to do with you, if you have a conflict with your mother-in-law, for example, it's actually best sometimes to let your partner handle their own parent. That would be my, so disagreeing on something, uh, again, you don't want to be like direct, like let's sit down and have a whole hash out festival. That's likely not going to go well. Uh, but sharing small things indirectly uh, can sometimes um, work well and not like directly opposing your in-law in front of other people is really important. So if you're going to have like a private conversation or something that is bothering you or something that you want to change, um, having that private conversation would be much better than having a whole hash out um, if there are other people involved or if it's at a public event uh, because you don't want to bring dishonor on the family or shame them. It's very important not to to behave. Uh, uh, you don't want there to be like a blowout in front of other people. Um, this is a very difficult thing for um, people who are in an honor-shame culture like India is. Where in the West, we're more individualistic, like you want to have a blowout, like whatever, it's fine. Um, It's not always fine. But in India, it's like devastating to have a blowout in front of other people. I love this next one. How to foster a relationship beyond the superficial. I think a lot of times people assume that if you know their heart language and they know your heart language, that there's going to be this great relationship. And that's not necessarily true, but I think finding commonalities, finding things that you both enjoy, uh, you don't have to, you know, your mother-in-law is never gonna be your mom. Your father-in-law is never gonna be like your dad. Um, There's a difference there. There always will be, but you can garner love and respect. And um, a lot of that just comes through to small things. Remembering to call them on um, different holidays or just check in if they're not well. Um, making different suggestions of, you know, hey, I, this medicine works well for this certain thing. Did you try this? Did you try that? Um, I know it seems kind of like you're mothering them or, or being irritating, but I think those little th- small things um, really matter, you know, checking in and um it just creating kind of a, a, an ongoing relationship. It doesn't have to be something so formalized. But um, for example, um, for my in-laws and I, myself, there isn't a language barrier, but just knowing there are some things we're never gonna understand about each other. Um, like I mentioned before, my mother-in-law never even rode in a car until she was 16, where I was driving Uh, My grandfather taught me to drive my own car at 14 years old, right? Uh, Out in uh, rural Illinois. So me having like a very intense uh, amount of independence from a young age and my mother-in-law never having independence her entire life, there are certain things we're not going to understand about each other. She's not going to want to understand my need to go on trips by myself and go meet up with my friends by myself without my husband and kids. She's never going to understand that and I'm never going to understand why it's so comfortable for her to stay home for long, long periods of time uh, without going crazy. We're not going to get that, but I know she's different, I'm different and we can just accept each other the way it is. Let's talk about boundaries. This is a hot topic, important piece of conversation. What boundaries look like in a Western sense and what boundaries looks like in a communal culture, shame, honor culture, or less individualistic culture like India look very different. So if you tell someone to their face, um, you know, please don't call me bef- after 10 p.m. because I'm sleeping and they continue to do that. Um, in a Western sense, that's super rude. Like you are disrespecting my boundary. It, you, you need to stop. Um, however... In an Indian sense, how you would deal with that is just not answering the phone, turning off your phone, silencing them, maybe blocking that number after a certain time. And there's the indirect communication that they will figure out you're not going to pick up your phone after 10 p.m. Or if um, or if there's a problem with the child of, you know, please don't. Um, I mean, I've had plenty of conflicts with, with uh, um, disciplining and... Um, Um, managing my kids uh, with my in-laws. For example, I'll share one. I had asked uh, my in-laws not to feed sweets to my children because it often would spoil their dinner. And I don't care if they feed sweets to them at certain times, but um, being a Westerner, I tend to eat earlier. So in India, a lot of times you'll have dinner at 10, sometimes even 11 p.m. and then go directly to sleep. I don't like that habit, it doesn't work for me physically, and I don't want my kids to form that habit either because uh, it's, you know, whatever, we have a lot of obesity in my family and I just don't want my kids to get into that habit. Um, So I had asked, I eat a lot earlier. I'll eat, uh, we'll eat at like 7 p.m., which is super late for some Westerners, but it's way early for Indians. So my in-laws would think, okay, this is snack time, it's around 6 p.m., I can just give the kids candy. And I would request like, please, you know, please don't give candy, please don't give candy. Um, So one of the things we actually ended up doing was instead of please don't give candy, please don't give candy, and having it be this big conflict all the time was, I would ask, um, I would call ahead of time and say, "Um, uh, hey, our son really wants to eat some of your fresh brata to my mother-in-law. And uh, could you make some Prata instead for him? So knowing that uh, they want to feed the point is they just wanted to feed the kids something as an expression of love and candy is an easy thing, but even better. I've asked, can you please make this Prata, which our kids love, which is also healthy and is it going to spoil their dinner? Sure. But who cares? Because it's somewhat uh, somewhat healthy, and it's not candy. And the uh, the point has been accomplished that grandparents were able to feed the kids something, and it's able to go. So that boundary was something that I could have dug my heels in and said, "Don't feed candy, don't feed candy, don't feed candy, don't feed candy," and then stop going over there and made a big deal about it. Or you could just say, "Let's do this instead," um. And uh, and that and that can work. So again, it's 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 drawing these like firm lines in the sand doesn't always work, but letting the natural consequences of things roll out can also um, sometimes be in your advantage. I hope that example made sense. How do you approach the topic of living separately? This has been a, um, a challenge for us at times, especially because we live in India. I think in the U.S. that's not as big of a thing. Like they see that that's just how everyone lives. But in India, when people are watching you and people are looking at you and your life, and they see what you're doing versus what other people are doing, it can be really hard um, to uh, to stick to that thing. I think we don't really talk directly about it uh, with with my in laws and say, oh, you know, it's this is the reasons why we should live apart. Um, but there's certain understandings of uh, we have major differences in the way that we want to live and just practical things. So sometimes we'll remind them that um, my mother-in-law hates air, air conditioning, hates it. Um, it's very hard for her to sleep or even be around uh, cold air. She gets sick. It's uncomfortable for her. And um, not even me, but uh, Abhishek loves air conditioning. He loves to be, have the cold air. He hates the super hot So that's like a major difference, but you have to navigate. And sometimes it's just easier if you have your own house. Uh, What we have uh, done is decide to live separate, but very close together. And um, we are really committed to seeing each other regularly, right? So it accomplishes the same purpose and uh, we're checking in on them regularly. and, And that's just something for us that we've had to say it's better for us to live apart. There are so many other reasons, that's just one small. Uh, but the point is we wanna have a good relationship, we wanna check in on each other, we wanna be around each other. Um, and so maybe reinforcing those ideas of how can we accomplish those things, but still maintain our own privacy and independence and things like that. Here's a couple of good ones. Gender discrimination. Uh, I have talked about this on other episodes So uh, you can go ahead and check those out, Um, talking about uh, forming uh, gender discrimination and how you can discuss that. I think it was episode 19 or 20, something around there. This is a very interesting question. How do you remember your culture? Again, not everyone that listens to this is an American, but Western culture is so dominant in so many other realms, business, music, media. It's almost impossible to forget, quote unquote, Western culture. It's in your face everywhere. So for me, I don't have to work very hard to retain my culture. However, if I'm from Finland, if I'm from uh, Norway, if I'm from Mexico, if I'm from Brazil, if I'm from somewhere that doesn't have as dominant of a voice in the global marketplace, if I'm from Indonesia, you may have to work harder to retain your own culture upon being married to an Indian. And I guess this is the thing is if you're taking on something from a different culture, it doesn't necessarily mean that you're losing your own. And I would just encourage you to think about that and and embody and embrace that idea. I also want to share for just two seconds about the idea of um, abuse. And there can be abuse in any situation. Uh, I think this the person that asked this question was um, from India. Uh, when you are fully dependent on your in-laws and your husband for your income, for your housing, I think that there can be uh, bigger challenges when it comes to um, abuse and things of that sort. In any circumstance, if you're dependent fully on another person uh, you don't have as much leeway to escape if they're abusing you. So uh, of course, none of these questions are applicable necessarily if you are being forced to do something, if you're being uh, emotionally or physically sexually abused by anyone in your family, of course, uh, that needs to be taken very seriously. And um, the uh, the idea of adjusting and all of this uh, really, really isn't appropriate, You know, you need to get you need to seek help and you need to um, see if there's someone you can reach out to. This is a great question. I am a Desi mom raising American boys. I'd like to hear your perspective. I've seen this uh, several times where I think the uh, first generation, you know, kids who are growing up in the West just don't understand a lot of the like honor, shame aspects or what are people, other people thinking and uh, the more communal aspects of the Indian culture. And so I think as a parent, you have a unique challenge your kids are being raised in a totally individualistic uh, setting and they're not going to understand, like And they're not going to ever understand that. And so for you to explain to them why certain things are important and um, giving them some choice, giving them the option of, you know, you don't have to come to this or you don't have to be a part of this um, will really help retain the relationship with you as a parent. But I think explaining the meaning of things a lot of times is what kids want, whether it's a ritual, whether it's a relationship, why this person is is important, um, why we need to celebrate this certain thing, why we need to call this particular person, even if you find them annoying. (laughs) Uh, I think it's really important to explain to kids um, some of the social and communal aspects So that wraps it up for my uh, part two of all things Indian in-laws. I hope that you enjoyed this and I hope that you learned something. Please write comments. Write to me, jessica at invisibleindiapodcast.com. You can also comment on social media, DM me on Instagram, TikTok, Facebook, uh, Twitter as well. And uh, please feel free to send in more questions. I love these kind of situations where we can discuss and uh, go through different situations and uh, I can share my my thinking. Um, so thank you. Namaste. Please up subscribe and share um, and be sure to check out my Hindi course for those of you who are wanting to um, learn Hindi. Learn LearnHindiAnywhere.com